This is The Shift Podcast. Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, an Alberta man is walking 500 kilometers across the province. Why? Because he wants to help raise money for lung disease research. After watching his father recover from a double lung transplant, Chris Sadler joins The Shift with The Walk to Breathe. Chris Gilbert is live in Tokyo with an update on the Olympics, plus some stories from around the globe, including if you've ever wanted to quit your job, this is a great way to quit your job. It's coming up on the podcast. Are you okay with peanuts? Or maybe it's penance. We're not quite sure. Might be another edition of Ryan O'Donnell and his typos. To be determined. Coming up on the Shift Daily Podcast. Are you okay? Are you okay with helicopters? I've never been in one, but they're kind of freaky, especially if you see one in slow motion. <laughs> that was very well thought out. Yeah. it's. But he's right, though, because the propellers look weird in slow motion. It, it looks like it's slowly falling. But helicopters themselves are are really cool. And I'd love to go in one, but I, oh. I would want to go in like one of the army ones. Nope. Uh, and play CCR and pretend to be a soldier. Yeah. But, you know, just, just like an old movie. But Like Good Morning Vietnam style? No, I was thinking more like Kong Skull Island where they're in the, you know, Vietnam War helicopters and then King Kong throws a giant tree at them. I was thinking that might be more up my alley. But that does seem character appropriate for you. That's for it does, sure. doesn't it? Helicopters are very, very scary to me. And I took my pilot's license about 15 years ago for fixed wing. I did not finish it because the babies came along, but I will finish it one day. And a friend of mine, Paul, he flies helicopters and he said, hey, come with me. Let's go for a ride. I don't like the yaw, man. Like they twist and turn and all that stuff. And we're flying along and he he just kind of says, okay, you have control. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, thank you. And I literally was like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to fly it. I didn't want to fly it. I, you know, had my hand on the thing and I was like, no, I don't. I'm, and then he did. He's like, just hold it here and do this. So I did. And he's like, you're slowing down and push forward and all these things. It was incredible. And there is a, there is a death rule on helicopters, by the way. And I'll tell you about the death rule. Yeah. I'll tell you about the death rule next. First, though, the story. I mean, helicopters from the physics perspective and the things they do. They are amazing. I just don't want to be in it. Helicopters are used by the police, news stations, farmers, and, of course, the military to fight King Kong in Ryan's world. Um, They are very cool. The Lebanese military knows it, too. The army is strapped for cash in Lebanon. So in an effort to bring a little extra, the army has started selling rides on its helicopters to make money. For just $150, you can go for a ride in a helicopter with all of that money going towards upkeep of the helicopter. Here's more from Reuters. Army spokesman Colonel Hassan Barakat says they needed to find an innovative way to fundraise. This war we are in is economic and therefore it requires unconventional means. Because it's an unconventional war and there is no fighting between armies. And so we had the idea of doing tours with helicopters used for intermediate training and tourism. 
He said the cost of the 15-minute flight helps cover essential upkeep of the aircraft. Barakat also hopes the flights will encourage people to consider joining the armed forces. And for tourists, it's a rare opportunity to see the country from a new angle. It's a nice experience for my children to see Lebanon and the beautiful Lebanese coast from the air. So, um, it seems like a pretty good deal at 150 bucks. I don't know how much they're getting ahead in profit. Uh, Lebanon experienced the catastrophic Beirut blast last summer, which left the country asking the international community for all kinds of support in rebuilding its economy. And, of course, that port, which was very, very important and got just absolutely obliterated. Tens of thousands of people have since lost their jobs. The local currency has lost 90% of its value against the dollar. This has led to inflation, food shortages, medicine shortages, and more. According to the World Bank, more than half of the population is currently living under the poverty line there with that. Okay. Um, helicopters and the, the, I, I call it the death height. Um, so, you know, like a helicopter and the rotor turns, right? It, it does the turning, yes. It does the, the turning, spinning. Well, there is a, um, there's, sometimes they refer to it as the death man's curve and stuff like that, but it's the, the death height, it was, I was told. And so there is a height which is tossed around, usually at about 700 feet or 500 feet. So basically what happens is if the engine on a helicopter quits, what happens to the helicopter? Because they have one well, engine. Well, if you're lucky, your helicopter has a couple of jet engines on the top that can help you glide a little bit. If not, yeah, I imagine you're just going down. Yeah. Um, so in the world of King Kong fighting, maybe. But in, in the world of uh, your traffic reporting on a helicopter, no, there's not. So what happens is that, that thing's spinning, but then if the engine quits, the router, rotor is de- designed to just keep spinning, right? So you know how the rotors have the little angles on them? So the helicopter starts to fall, and it, quite often it's moving forward, and then it starts to fall because of gravity because it loses its lift. Then that causes the rotor to spin faster because it spins in the wind, mm-hmm. and the faster it spins, it starts to create lift like a normal wing. So the helicopter will fall, and as it falls faster and faster, it will start to create more lift and scoop itself out and gl- be able to glide down to the ground like an airplane. Now, the, which is cool, right? Cool. It's super cool. Right. It's not going to be a graceful landing, but you're not going to be, you know, like out of the Roadrunner cartoons with an Acme anvil falling from the sky. The catch, though, is that you need to either be moving forward at a certain speed or at a certain height in order to get that lift. And if you're inside that estimated height of 500 to 700 feet, depending on where you are and how fast you're moving, that's not enough falling to create the lift to push you forward. Oh, so you want to be above. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know helicopters had that. Neat. Ta-da. Here well, you go. I hope they know that in Lebanon. I'm sure they do. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I'm, it's probably not on the pamphlet, but good luck with your helicopter tours. I, I They just make me sick. The yeah, I think they're really cool. I just like airplanes. That's the way it goes. Are you okay? Are you okay with pennants? That's a typo. I know. Yeah. I, know. I don't know. I don't Would know. Would you like me to explain penance? Please. Or should we do the context uh, clip first and then do it? Or No, no. All right. We're gonna, we'll do penance. 
Penets right. are the up-and-coming new allergy-free alternative to peanuts. Are you allergic to peanuts? That sucks. I feel bad for you, man. My brother is. It sucks. Don't worry. I have a new solution coming. It's called the Penets. It tastes like 50% peanuts and will give you 50% less of an allergic reaction. Coming soon oh. to nowhere. That is not a real commercial, just so you know. Uh, yep. Ryan O'Donnell taking the A out of peanuts. A. A. <laughs> a for allergy. Ah. <laughs> taking the nice. A for allergy out of your peanuts. Ryan O'Donnell's peanuts. See, marketing. That's all you have to do. We could be politicians now, because now we just marketed a typo. Oh, done. Beautiful. Makes me want to just go get my hair cut. Okay, this is uh, a clip a clip to get us started here. Let's hit it. You have a great gift for Ryan. Yes, yes. Some of the time. Enough of that! Fuzzy, are the rocks ahead? If they are, we all be dead. No more rhymes now, I mean it! Anybody want a peanut? Yeah! Anybody want a peanut? I do. What about Are a you okay? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, Are you, you said you said it. Are okay, okay. Yeah, okay. There we go. That was yeah. That was, that was my cue. All right. Are you okay with peanuts? Oh, yeah. I I love peanuts. I went like 15 years without eating them, though, because my brother is anaphylactic. Mm. And then the second I moved out, it was back in my diet. I've probably, I've lived here, what, about six months? I've probably gone through three good-sized jars of peanut butter since moving in. I'm so happy. Did you ever do that with your brother's allergy where you, that was your, your, your rebellion? When you got in such an argument with your brother and you're like, I hate you, and then just go eat a bunch of peanut butter? No, no. It was more like uh, we would smash each other's like video games, stuff mm. like that. Yeah. All right. Going straight for the jugular there with the video games. Uh. Yeah. I uh, I had a roommate who was severely allergic to peanuts. Um, and she, this roommate was like the worst roommate ever. But I oh. had no, I had no desire to eat peanuts to get back at this roommate for when they were no. being a bad roommate. No. It actually really? gave me a little bit of PTSD. I was very afraid to have peanuts after this roommate described really? what would happen to them if I had peanuts. If there were such a bad roommate, like, go get a jar of peanut butter, put it in the cupboard, and just leave it there. The thought no. may have crossed my mind, but <laughs> yeah, I never see, did it. it see, Brendan Kelly's honest when he yeah. <laughs> says about it, because, I mean, it's a human thing, man. I'll get you all right. Are you okay with peanuts? Drug smugglers in the U.S. have found a very creative way to get meth onto the streets. It almost worked, but the plan was a little too nutty. Oh. U.S. Customs and Border Protection Services stopped nearly 500 grams of methamphetamines being smuggled in peanuts from making it to the streets. Here's more from CBS News. Peanut shells with meth hidden inside of them. Now, I'm no botanist, but I don't think that these grow like this in nature. U.S. Customs and Border Protection says they arrived in a package reading regional bread roasted peanuts, regional dust sweet made of corn. But an x-ray revealed something a little suspicious. And when they cracked open one of the peanuts, they found the meth inside it, 489 grams worth. The package was heading from Mexico to East Texas, but it was intercepted at an express consignment hub in Memphis, Tennessee. Katie Johnston for CBSN DFW. 
Um, area port director Michael Niepert says the average dose of meth is 0.2 grams, really? Mm-hmm. Lasts 6.8 hours in the body. The officers prevented 2,445 doses, about 15,000 hours of drug highs. Um, wow. Overdose danger, all those things. I have Jeez, never heard you... anybody say we just prevented this amount of time of people being high before. Never yeah. in my life have I heard that. And I've read a sounds, lot of police releases. It sounds uh, very political, right? Because that's what politicians do when they, they basically say it's going to take this many hours to build a bridge. And then they divide mm-hmm. it by a 40 hour week. And they say, we're going to employ this many people for a year. And that's all they do. It's not many. When they say there's going to be 3,000 jobs, it's not really 3,000 jobs. It's 3,000 jobs worth of hours, right? In this particular case, though, can you imagine if some drug user went to buy their drugs, but they were allergic to peanuts? <gasps> oh, oh, the yeah. contamination. That's yeah. a really good. That's a, hmm, I didn't think of that. This is well, why. Be like, he's overdosing. Like, he's not overdosing. He's allergic to peanuts. Yeah, that's scary. Right? This is why the penance needs to be made. Not specifically hey. for the circumstance. I'm just saying a peanut-free. Actually, you know what? I have had peanut-free peanut butter before. It's called Wow what? Butter. It's made with soy. And I'll never forget the first time I ate it. It was at a summer camp when I was working at. Put on the bread. And for a split second, I was I was over the moon i went wow this is peanut oh wait no there's the soy <laughs> oh yeah, <You> can <laughs> yeah. Taste it. it's like all right fine it's like margarine over butter right i will take this uh, moment to acknowledge the inventor of nutella and how with a few seconds in a microwave and a banana cut up it is quite possibly the most beautiful of all the snacks in the entire world thank you nutella are you okay are you okay with fireworks? Well, I mean, they were just lighting up the sky right by my house an hour ago, and they were kind of loud. Fireworks are one of those things where if you're actively watching them, they're amazing. But if you yeah. have no interest in them, they suck. <laughs> they wake you up. Yeah. I like big professionally done fireworks yes um i'm not even opposed to you know people doing them themselves it's just around halloween here and i do believe they've banned them this year i think that's something that's happened finally in vancouver but i always they just so many fireworks and they would be going off at like four o'clock in the morning all through residential neighborhoods yeah and i'm just like yeah why Hmm. why halloween too we don't do that in ontario i don't understand I've not Halloween. Yeah, that's a strange one. I, I, you know, I was at a, a birthday party and one of the brothers is like, I got fireworks. He goes running into the street. And it's like basically a box of fireworks and you light one end and then everything goes off as a show. Like it's all timed inside the box. So it's really kind of cool today in today's world. And it wasn't two minutes and the police were there. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, we'll just ask for forgiveness. <laughs> right? Like it's illegal. You got to take it. Oh, we'll just say we're sorry. And it worked. Uh, so they're cool. I've never really been big on fireworks. I always thought they're really cool. They're cool. Like I think Ryan said it best. If you're watching them, it's cool. If you're not watching them, you're like, meh. Although it is kind of cool when you when you sort of fumble into fireworks, stumble into fireworks. That's a better way to say it. And then you're basically walking along or driving along, and all of a sudden there's fireworks. You're like, hey, cool. And if you've ever seen fireworks from an airplane, 
substantially higher than the fireworks, just for the sake of <laughs> being safe. They're cool from above, man. Never seen that. I don't even know what that would look like. I want that to happen. Oh, there you go. Try it in a helicopter. Um, oh. But after Canada Day this year, I was very relieved to see fireworks. So I thought it was quite amazing. And they're always amazing outside. Inside, mm, debatable. A Taco Bell employee in Nashville was arrested this week after she allegedly set off fireworks inside the Taco Bell restaurant. Causing the building to catch fires, they watched from afar and accidentally locked themselves out. Oh, no. <laughs> it happened on July 5th, not July 4th. According to ABC News, the investigation into how the blaze began took a turn on July 8th when surveillance cameras captured the employees playing with fireworks inside the establishment. The quote says, employees then realized they locked themselves out of the restaurant. The employees tried unsuccessfully to get back into the store. Then the employees saw the trash cans start to smoke. They called 911 for help. <laughs> the Nashville Fire Department estimated that the fire caused more than $30,000 worth of damage to the inside of the restaurant. Investigators also found damage inside of the men's bathroom. What it appeared, the fireworks were ignited uh, inside of the trash can. Well, I would say that fire is often ignited in the bathroom of a Taco Bell. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> we're here all week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're here all week. Oh, that's good. Um, do we have time for this other story? No, we don't. We'll play the clip. You'll play the clip. All right, you play the clip. We'll just go quick with it. It's 4th of July. Yeah. And we're about to go pop some firecrackers in the stove. He goes by the Instagram name at Dugang3x, and in this video seems pretty excited to pull off his next prank. What happens next is being called both foolish and dangerous. <laughs> the video was taken on July 4th inside the Dollar Tree store at 13911 South Dixie Highway in Palmetto Bay. Watch as he brings a lit firework inside the store, placing it dangerously close to employees and customers and other flammable objects. Wow. That was 2018 at a dollar store in where? Anybody guess? Florida. 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 There it is. It. That report was from WPLG News. Uh, <laughs> Taco Bell and fireworks. That's funny. This is the Shift Podcast. We wanted to celebrate some hard work of some uh, folks doing good things as part of our Good News Tuesday-ish. Good news, everyone. It's about time for some good news. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Tell me something good. Look up for some good news. I like to go for a nice little walk every now and then, you know, hit the beach, stroll. Have a beer. Chris Sadler is going 500 kilometers in the summer heat. Chris, how are you? I'm doing very well, Shane. How are you, sir? Good. Okay, so we are uh, recording this at 4 o'clock-ish in the afternoon, our time in Alberta, uh, just for some reference to so nobody worries that you're walking around at nighttime when we play this later. Um, tell us where you are right now and uh, what you see in front of you, just to establish what's going on. Absolutely. So I just uh, I wrapped up day number seven, I guess it is now, of the walk to breathe. And uh, day seven ended in High River, Alberta. So we 
just walked into the beautiful George Lane Memorial uh, Campground. So they've donated the, uh, the stay overnight and, um, you know, looking forward to, I have some relatives in, in High River, so I'm looking at, uh, you know, beautiful uh, tree-lined road, beautiful ball diamond, uh, a playground in the back, you know, just a perfect, uh, perfect way to end the day, absolutely. So you started in Lethbridge. You, you did this last year, but you're going further this year. You started in Lethbridge. You're going to Edmonton. It's a long haul, Chris, and um, and you're walking all the way. Uh, help us understand why. Sure, sure. Let me give you a little bit of backstory, and I want to clarify for anybody that, uh, that might have a different vision as well. Um, you know, when I started this last year and, and, and started painting the, the picture for everyone, they thought, oh, you know, sad. You know, great, great job. Uh, you know, they thought maybe it was part of a relay. Uh, you know, a, a team event where, you know, we were walking from Calgary to Edmonton last year. They thought, oh, I might walk uh, 10K. Someone else will walk 10K. We're all raising money as a group. Not the case. Picture, if you will, one man, middle-aged, average man, suffers from, uh, you know, flare-ups of gout <laughs> and, uh, and arthritis that decided, yeah, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk till, uh, till I can't walk anymore. So that's what we did. Calgary to Edmonton last year. And I uh, thought that might be a, a one-off, but, um, you know, you asked why that came about in the first place. Um, you know, the, uh, the whole ordeal was about six and a half years ago, I guess. My father was having a lot of trouble breathing, um, you know, fatigue, just really, really tired all the time. We talked it up to him getting older. You know, he was in his uh, late 60s at the time. Uh, you know, maybe a little overweight, maybe, uh, you know, uh, not as not as active as he could be um, wasn't the case. Fast forward to a diagnosis. He was diagnosed with IPF, which is uh, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Essentially, it's a scarring of the lungs. Uh, essentially, means there's no known cause for it, and there's certainly no known cure for it. The only cure for my father was a life-saving double lung transplant. So he was put on the the transplant list, and and uh, you know, full transparency, things got pretty dicey. Uh, you know, timeline-wise, uh, but sure enough, he got the call in July of 2016. Uh, he's still with us today after having a double uh, double lung transplant. He's still with us today, and obviously that thrust him into a whole new world uh, of learning uh, stuff that he, you know, he, he didn't ask to be thrust into that. Uh, the family as well, we learned things, we saw things, we heard things, we researched things. That we never in our in our lives thought we would, and it was it just blew my mind what the lung association dealt with as far as lung disease, how far reaching it was, uh, the negative negative stigmas attached to uh, to lung disease. I'll get into that a little bit more in a few minutes. But basically, uh, you know, late 2000, sorry, late uh, 2019, early 2020. Um, I had approached the Lung Association with an idea. So this is sort of my personal initiative. And uh, Jennifer Hutchinson and Carly Wright and everybody at the Lung Association have been absolutely phenomenal. They've been my right arm through all of this. But, uh, but it is my personal initiative. So I took it on as a, basically a second full-time job to organize everything with them, uh, with them supporting. So I, I approached them. I said, look, I want to raise awareness. I want to raise funds, but uh, I feel that uh, there's awareness out there that is so many people are misinformed or not informed at all about lung disease. I want to walk from Calgary to Edmonton. They said, Hey, you know what? That's of course we'll be, uh, we'll be supporting you in that. So we put that together. That happened in, uh, in August last year. 
over 11 days, 330 kilometers uh, from Calgary to Edmonton. <clears throat> now my parents, uh, my father and my mother were literally behind me every step of the way because it's me walking, um, walking the full distance. But I have a support vehicle behind me as well. Obviously, it's, it's vital for rest and relaxation, recuperation, stuff like that. Get out of the intense heat, wrap my feet if I need to, that kind of stuff, right? So somebody had to drive it. My parents did that uh, for the full 11 days last year. And uh, you know what? It was, it, it was an experience I wouldn't change for the world. Uh, some days were tougher than others on not only me, but my parents, you know, living in an RV, uh, not sleeping properly, eating schedules out of whack, uh, you know, just your lifestyles out of whack. Plus, you know, in your late 60s, sitting in a, sitting in a chair, driving at, at a blistering six kilometers an hour, down the highway i mean you tend to stiffen up it's just it's not the most uh most fun experience it sounds easy it's not uh so it was a tremendous tremendous experience last year we didn't know what to expect we set a goal we hit that goal uh about halfway through and then uh by the end of it we had exceeded our our new target goal so you know rather than uh than assuming it was going to be a one-off and a once-in-a-lifetime thing I said, let me recuperate. We'll, we'll see how things go. And uh, earlier this year, at, at the beginning of 2021, uh, I, I, I decided I, I, I probably have enough gas in the tank. You know, I want to do one more year uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, but if I'm doing it, I want to do it further, um, more grueling. You know, Lethbridge to Edmonton. I wanted to really, really. Um, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't include that Southern Alberta corridor. I spent some of my formative years down in Southern Alberta. And uh, just that corridor through Lethbridge and Medicine Hat, and and uh, you know, there's there's so many people down there, and they're not immune from lung disease. Why not get them included as well? So it's a little bit further this year, um, but I, I went into it saying, Mom, Dad, I'm doing this. I know that you cannot drive with me. However, they've been uh, stopping with me. They've been visiting me in in towns everywhere. They will be driving for the the next two three days, I think it is, and then they will be crossing the finish line driving the support vehicle. Uh, behind me when I uh, when I crossed the finish line in Edmonton on July 23rd uh, I'll be crossing uh, five years to the day almost to the minute actually it was about 5 30 in the afternoon five years ago my dad had uh, rolled into the surgical suite so it's it's symbolic wow. so there's a little bit of the backstory it's uh, you know there's some detail behind it but a lot of uh, you know a lot of time and, and, and thought and energy, energy has gone into it Chris Adler is walking from Lethbridge up to Edmonton. Chris, you said you'd tell us about the negative stigma about lung disease. Um, I'm assuming, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, that it has everything to do with smokers being the bad guys only and not understanding that other people get lung disease too, or am I wrong? Shane, you nailed it. Um, you know, there's a couple things. <clears throat> lung disease is, uh, you know, I, I hate to put it like this. It, it's not a sexy charity to donate to. You know, um, people feel really good when they do things for kids and children. Uh, you know, cancer is so prevalent uh, that, you know, those are the ones that are always top of mind and top of mind. And please don't anybody take that the wrong way. I'm not taking anything away from any charity, right? Uh, it's Absolutely. Just, uh, it's very real, man. We need to, We I, I would say, Chris, to add to that, we need to bring that forward because sometimes it gets forgotten, the romanticism of certain initiatives. And that doesn't diminish another one to it, do that. So does. I agree with you. And the, uh, the negative stigma is... Um, 
is truly that it's an old smoker's disease. You know, if, if you didn't, uh, sure, you don't smoke now, but you smoked your entire life. You quit five years ago, but now you have lung disease. Got nobody to blame but yourself. And that's, for me, that's disappointing to hear. Um, that's, that's uh, it's, it's just, it's so negative, uh, such a negative and, and improper stigma. Uh, children, babies are born with severe asthma. Some of them don't make it out of the hospital. Um after birth, uh, I saw a, a, a girl, this is probably about a month and a half ago now, and I've told this story a few times, but it just broke my heart. She was, couldn't have been more than five or six years old. The mask mandate was still on in, in Alberta. So she's wearing the mask as uh, just a part of life that everyone had to deal with. Well, underneath that, uh, that mask for COVID, she's got an oxygen tube in her nose because she has severe asthma. And I had a chance to speak with her mother for a few minutes when I saw that and sort of told her what I had done and what I was planning on doing. Uh, you know, a few weeks down the road with the walk to breathe. And, and we had a good chat on that. And you know what? That just broke my heart knowing that a little girl like this, uh, whether it's a girl, a boy, you know, uh, black, white, indigenous, uh, purple, gray, uh, you know, male, female, uh, LGBTQ, it doesn't matter. It, lung disease affects everybody. And to, to know that a little girl, a little boy can't run on the playground, can't have a normal life playing outside because they have asthma. It's, uh, it's sad and people don't realize that that falls under the lung association. So many things, everyday things that, got, that get forgotten fall under the purview of the Lung Association of Alberta uh, and, Northwest and Northwest Territories. Um, you know, sleep apnea. I know so many people that suffer from sleep apnea and a lot of people think, yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of an annoying condition that you have not getting a proper sleep. No, it's a respiratory ailment. You stop breathing several times throughout the night. That's a potentially deadly uh, respiratory condition that falls under the lung association, not to mention the flu, bronchitis. Um, you know, we mentioned uh, asthma, uh, lung cancer, not because of smoking. You can get lung cancer from, uh, you know, your, your, your uh, employment. You know, do you work around chemicals, asbestos, that kind of stuff? You know, it's just such a negative, uh, negative stigma that I really want to put under my foot and just quash forever because it's, it's so far from the truth, right? Just everyday things that uh, the people don't realize fall under the lung association umbrella. Yet the, the lung association is grossly, grossly underfunded. It receives about a third of the government funding that it needs in Alberta to, uh, to operate uh, at, a, at a proper capacity, right? And uh, yet one in five Albertans now are suffering struggling to breathe with some form of lung disease now that's one in five albertans that are directly affected if, shane if you've ever watched a human being struggle to breathe it's mm -hmm. uh it's disturbing it's it's devastating to watch that so that's it, one in five albertans that are struggling to helpless breathe. It's, it's, it's incredibly helpless it's emotional it's helpless and uh and how do you think you know that's the people that are affected one in five what about the the, the, the wife, the, the children, the grandchildren, the co-workers, the friends, everybody that sees this every day, you think that doesn't affect you. So there's a ripple effect there as well. And the, I mean, these are, these are facts that uh, in one generation chain, one generation, uh, lung disease will grow by 50%. Um, it, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Will I be uh, walking, you know, across the province every year? I, I told you, I'm, I'm just an average guy. Any, any athletic prowess that I had, I was very active. I was fairly athletic growing up into my 20s and all that. I mean, life takes over and, and uh, no, I, I, I suffer from, uh, from gout and, and arthritis. And I'm just an average guy 
with a little bit of a pot belly that just uh, wants to make a difference. So it's not like I'm a marathon runner and this and this is an easy task. Um, well, Chris, <laughs> we got to you got you got. I mean, you say you're just an average guy, but you are putting the sexy into fundraising here. Let's just be honest. I'm absolutely. Um, I'm bringing sexy back to fundraising. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I you said it. you said fundraising for for lung stuff is not it's not a sexy fundraising, <laughs> but it it is when when Chris is there. Now Chris has got Chris has got his safety vest on. He's walking down the road. Um, I, I have more questions, but first, let's just remind everybody, Chris Sadler, where they can go to connect with you for helping out if that's what's right for them. Absolutely. Well, I'll give you the um, so the, the the page we have is uh, not only a little bit of the backstory. That I've touched on already, but uh, but it's also our donation page. So um, you know, I'd be humbled. Uh, anybody that watch, you, you know, the the arm of your show, the reach of your show, is tremendous. Um, and I can't thank you enough for having me on and giving me this uh, this platform to to talk about what we're doing. So if anybody listening right now um, could afford me two minutes to to read my story online and donate whatever you can, um, I'd be humbled and, and very, very appreciative. So it's, it's real easy. It's at ab.lung.ca slash walk to breathe. All right. Okay. So that's ab.lung.ca slash walk to breathe. Walk to breathe. All right. So we will, uh, we'll get that included in all of our information on the podcast too. So that can be done there. Chris, now I, I, I don't know how anybody who's gone for sleep apnea testing and hasn't come out with a CPAP or something like that. It's seems to be more and more people all the time. And I don't know anybody who doesn't say, Oh yeah, my dad's got lung disease. And the first question is, Oh, I didn't know he was a smoker. So, I mean, I think you've addressed both of those things. The one thing that I, I, I got a couple of questions I need to know Please. because for, with my father, I look at my dad and I see my future. I know that's what drives me with a lot of things in taking care of myself is to learn the lessons from our parents. In particular, I am a carbon copy of my father. Mm -hmm. And so when I asked that question, what's your dad's name? My dad's name is Robert. He goes by Rob, R-O-B. So when you look at Rob and you're like, that's my dad, you see yourself a little bit. And I need you to tell me what's something that you've been able to share with Rob because of all of this, because all these things have happened and you've been able to have Rob around a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you sit down and you look at your dad, what's something that you get today or you've been able to have since this went successful that you might not have had before? Yeah. You know what? That's a great question. You talked about a carbon copy of you and your father. Um, I look like my father. I look at him and I'm like, okay, well that's what I, uh, that's pretty much what I'm going to look like as I get older. Um, you know, the mannerisms, even my handwriting, my signature looks very similar to his, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely his son. Right. Um, and <laughs> I say this jokingly cause nobody would, but not to take anything away from my mother. Right. Um, but no, I am my father's son and, uh, you know, just the, you know, just slowing it down. Um, I was born and raised in Calgary, um, for 19 years before I spent seven, six, seven years down in Lethbridge. Uh, I've been in Edmonton now for 21 years. They're all, uh, they, they lived out in the Maritimes for a number of years. Uh, they're back now, but they're in Calgary. Do I get there as often as I, as I wanted to over a number of years? Absolutely not. And everything was just go, 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 go. And, uh, you know, I don't want to make it sound like a cat's in the cradle uh, thing because it had nothing to, to do with that. But I'm, I'm just talking in terms of the, the distance and how time flies. And I don't have time for that now. I'll catch up with you later, that kind of thing. Um, you know, just, just knowing that I make the time now, I don't care how busy work is. 
things will get put aside. Things have got put aside so that I can drive to Calgary, spend the weekend or, you know, have them come to, to visit in Edmonton, whatever the case may be, and do nothing, if that makes sense. You know, just to visit, just to, you know, share a, uh, you know, a, a Jack Daniels and, and, and Diet Coke or, you know, if, uh, uh, you know, sip on a coffee out on the, on the patio um you know watch a watch a hockey just enjoy each other's company and and know that hey uh i love you dad and i know that uh you know he's uh he's proud of me you know we're am i am i the most uh lovey huggy uh touchy feely guy in the world no but you know what i have a heart and my parents mean the world to me so uh, i know it's it's uh we're, we're living on he, he's living on borrowed time right now and and uh it's borrowed time for us with him and I'm certainly not going to take that for granted. And uh, I want him to respect the lungs. So I'm always uh, on him to, you know, even go for a walk with me, a short walk here and there, uh, just to get him out of the house, make sure he stays active and respects the lungs that he was given. It's the Shift Podcast. Welcome to the International Dispatch from our world citizen. Live from Japan, New Zealand's Chris Gilbert. Sir Christopher Gilbert back in the program in Tokyo, quite literally uh, sweating like yeah. mad. It's hot, is it, buddy? Yeah, it's warm. It's not as warm as it's been, uh, you know, in your neck of the woods recently, I would say. But I'm lucky because it is uh, July 14th. It is International Nudity Day. And I am not embarrassed to say I have no pants on. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. We, uh, we were talking about that and we were very excited um with what the nude is going on and and none of us were naked we were looking for andy barrar because he often is a tarps off kind of guy when he comes on the show mm. and uh nice to see that you fulfilled that with a uh not your tarp off moment yeah and i've told the country about it straight out of the gate and i uh, highly recommend yeah. uh, i think it's the 14th across canada uh listening at home please everybody in a show of solidarity please take off your pants um and in solidarity Thank with you. me for um remaining seated during our uh zoom call uh, i can show you a little bit of thigh if you want shane a bit of calf <laughs> i'll just leave that one out there there you go you, you, you can text in your answer later <laughs> <laughs> if you have any questions about that um i might be on sick leave later tonight on the show no <laughs> No, don't worry. I'll, I'll keep the um. I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it all above the waist. Don't worry. It's a family friendly show. Nice. Um, yeah. How's uh, How's everything going over there in Tokyo with the Olympics? I'm sure everyone's excited and lining up to go. <laughs> uh, depending how you ask the question, uh, research polls have shown between fifty to eighty percent uh, disapproval with um, pretty much everything right now. Just you know, just ask a question. What do you think about carrot sticks? And it's fifty to eighty percent percent chance that. People are going to say, "I hate them. I don't want them. Can this be over already?" Um, no, there's, there's, uh, it's in the news um, every day. Like, oh, you know, the X team has arrived and they're quarantining for their three days and such. I think the South African team has arrived. Uh, I'm sorry, the South African uh, rugby team was meant to go to the other end of the country, the far west of the country, uh, as pretty much the bottom as far as you can go to a place called Kagoshima. And uh, no one in the rugby team had COVID, but they shared a plane with somebody else who did have COVID-19. And so that's been mucked up and just kind of little like 
finicky little issues around COVID just everywhere, you know, like somebody's roommate had a second cousin who had COVID, you know, stuff like that. It's just around the edges. Uh, something a little more direct. Did you hear about the thing that the IOC president, Thomas Bach, said the other day? Have you, has that come across mm-hmm. your radar? No, not that I recall. He was in Tokyo giving a pep talk. Uh, let me see if I can find the quote here. I wrote it down. Oh, yeah. Uh, IOC President Thomas Bach, uh, pep talk in Tokyo yesterday, um, trying to boost everyone's morale. He said, um, our target is a safe and secure games for everybody, for the athletes, for the delegations. Most importantly, of course, for all of the Chinese people, uh, Japanese people. No. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that so is... So that uh, went over well, I guess, is what you're saying? Well, it wasn't originally translated into the news. Um, it was in English, and the, the translators just decided to drop it out. But it, of course, got picked up by people who are you know, bilingual and listening and translated into Japanese. And I think it's... Um, I saw one tweet which linked it today, which said, um, tell us you don't care about the Japanese people without telling us you don't care about the Japanese people. And I, I think... Um, uh, you know, when I lived in BC, there was a lot of conversation about, you know, politics versus public health and, you know, like business versus public health and making uh, why, what kind of decisions are you making? And, and, I, and I think that uh, for a lot of people living in Tokyo at the moment, everyone has realized public health is not really coming into it anymore. Uh, and mm. uh, that that little uh, slip by Thomas Bach that kind of confirms what a lot of people feel like they might already know now. So. You know, but 10 days to go and, uh, you know, smiles plastered on, two thumbs up in the air and, and loving every minute of it. Hmm. Wow. Uh, no, nobody think it'd be like riots or anything, will there? People, I mean, I, I think it would take a lot to cause a riot here. I think the country would have to like run out of rice or something. Um, people, <laughs> like a protest... There have been little protests. I mean, I think there was a protest outside Thomas Bach's uh, press conference of like 10 people the other day. And, and you know, I'm sure it just in- involved people smiling and clapping in unison. Um, and I think he's going to uh, Hiroshima in a couple of days' time. And I think there's a little protest organized for there. But, I mean, I, I'm surprised. I think... I think it's just like everywhere, right? Like everyone's just beaten down and broken down now. Everyone's tired. <laughs> Everyone yeah. just wants the whole thing to be over. We're just exhausted. But uh, I think even if people weren't, this is not really the rioting kind of place, I think. It's more just sort of like the, the sideways look and a mumble at the corner of the mouth kind of place. So no riots yet. Sir Christopher Gilbert is in Tokyo. He's one of the uh, Shifthead family members here on the program. Let's take a little tour around the world, Chris, with some of your stories that we need to know about. Um, yeah, so uh, I found a, a whole bunch of stuff in the uh, United States today. Um, I usually have a little, like, you know, sideways comment to make about things, a little bit of sarcasm. Uh, this story that I'm starting with, I have uh, not, I think it just, you know, speaks for itself. Uh, apparently there's a trend and I, I wouldn't, you know, lean on that word too heavily on TikTok of, uh, using Mr. Clean magic erasers to whiten your teeth. Um, it's, uh, my only take on this is apparently Americans, uh, don't have enough ways of poisoning themselves already. 
uh, <laughs> Trump is not around telling people to to drink bleach and stuff anymore. So people now on TikTok telling you know to you know just suck on a you know a, a popsicle of turpentine or something. But it's it's uh, it says here on the news story uh, kind of like the deadly part. Tide Pod Challenge, a new TikTok trend of using Mr. Clean Magic Erasers to whiten their teeth is not safe, says doctors and dentists. No, no kidding. The trend, the trend, again, says the word trend, there's no evidence of that, actually. Just this one user called Heather Dunn, uh, she posted a TikTok video uh, showing how she whitens her teeth with a small piece of a magic eraser. If you're not familiar with a magic eraser, no. I have the magic eraser website open in front of me. And it says the magic eraser uh, is two times stronger cleaning performance than other magic eraser products. As is the original. Uh, it's for cleaning uh, tough messes off your walls, bathtubs, uh, oven doors, light switches, doors, and, you know, just other greasy, grimy uh, surfaces. Uh, one person decided, amazing, hey, mm-hmm. well, I don't know if, I don't know if, are you guys familiar with a TV show called Black Books? Nope from the uk okay it's dylan moran no. and uh yeah it's a really great it's one of my favorite comedies from the early 2000s and uh, someone's frantically uh you know they're really sick and they don't have any medicine in their house and he picks up oven cleaner and there's a line where, where he says well you can clean an oven you can clean me and he just starts guzzling down oven cleaner which is i imagine how uh this started Let, let's have a listen to <laughs> um to this lady's uh, TikTok, uh, Mr. Clean Magic Eraser tutorial. So I'm going to show you what I do. And yes, I am prepared for all the dentists that are going to come on here and be like, don't do it. She's crazy. I don't care. I go to the dentist and they, I don't tell them what I do, but they're like, you have the healthiest, strongest, cleanest teeth. And I'm like, why, thank you. Step number one, I don't use any fluoride at all. When the dentist says, use your fluoride, don't rinse. (laughs) Nope, I don't do that. Number two, I do something called oil pulling. Okay, look it up on YouTube and I use coconut oil. Oil pulling. Number three, and here's where we all gasp. This is a magic eraser. Yeah, that's what I said. I take a little tiny piece of it, wet it, don't touch your gums. Can you hear that? I've been doing it for like two years. No. You know, I went to the dentist recently and I said, my teeth are looking a little yellow. Am I drinking too much coffee? And my dentist said, no, that's just your teeth's natural color. Really? She's like, yeah, I've been cleaning them and that's just, that's just fine. That's normal. And I was surprised because I was like, oh, I'm supposed to have whiter teeth. But now I look in the mirror, I'm like, that's fine. Why can't other people just be okay with that? Magic, did you hear that sound? That was like nails on a chalkboard in your mouth. I know. I know. Yeah, there was not a health. That's not a sound your body should make in any occasion. Um, There was a dentist, uh, Dr. Benjamin Winters uh, from uh, Texas. This is all happening in Texas, of course. Uh, who actually replied and said, uh, a magic eraser is actually made of melanine foam. It's uh, basically foam that's hard as glass, and it acts as a really abrasive sandpaper, meaning, yeah, of course your oh. teeth are white because you just scrubbed all the enamel off them. So, in fact, no, don't do this. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. It's great for getting <laughs> bugs off the front of your car, though. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, also, my trailer, my camping trailer that I used to have, used to use that all the time to clean the outside. 
Well, I'm 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 cycling everywhere at the moment, and so I get uh, you know bugs in my eyes a lot. So maybe I'll I'll take a, a trick from your book, Shane, and from her book, and just mm-hmm. rub a magic eraser directly on my eyeball to get the bugs out of it. Uh, good luck. <laughs> It'll work, right? Can we do it uh, on camera on. so we can put it on YouTube and make some money off it? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, blindness. He, he, Here's our, our Tokyo correspondent who never wears pants rubbing and, you know, just <laughs> poison on his pupils. Um, um, yeah. you know, it'll get you oh, some hits. Oh, God, I'm so glad you said pupils. You had me scared there for a syllable. I'm, I'm a professional, so I will not let the side <laughs> down. Um, going to uh, Ohio, uh, Harrison Township, Montgomery, Ohio, you know, just... Harrison Township just sounds like the kind of place where like a mediocre news story that's kind of interesting kind of happens. And this is one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Reported uh, by a guy a, in a cardigan. Uh, no, exactly. Exactly. Uh, a man is in jail after deputy said he tried to break into Harrison Township home while four children were inside having a birthday party. Apparently, oh. the kids called 911 and a 15-year-old celebrating his birthday uh, chased the sub uh, the suspect away with a samurai sword that he recently bought on vacation. Um, yeah, Amazing. I mean, I have this this story has question marks all over it for me. Um, my my first question before we jump into the audio is: uh, He recently bought on vacation. That kid has not left the country to buy a samurai sword, which means he went to Florida and bought like a samurai sword and and like you know bumsville florida you know which is the most depressing thing in the entire world and took it back to his ohio home but the kid has a samurai sword and apparently he saved his own birthday party so uh let's listen to the first part of the story the kids called in a panic saying that uh someone was breaking into the house he used his phone to check his home's surveillance cameras and sure enough saw it happening so a relative called 911 somebody came and shattered their back window trying to get in as dad rushed home i just wanted to make sure my kids were okay news center 7 was there wednesday afternoon as montgomery county sheriff's deputies searched for clues at this home along susan drive the family showed them this surveillance one clip they shared with us seems to show the man hammering at their pool and roaming around in the backyard and i still don't know why he put a hole in the pool all with the four kids inside they screamed and ran and hid in the closet and our oldest boy he actually grabbed a samurai sword and ran after the guy uh-huh. Sure he did. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I I don't I believe a word that. of the story. I like don't, I, I like the fact I that like he says that he, he came home to uh make sure his kids are okay at the birthday party. Not all the kids, just his kids. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm can I'm I see I, this is why I'm confused by this story because there's a birthday party, but the story does say that there are four kids inside at the birthday party. The birthday is mentioned. There are four kids at home by themselves with the adults are at work, which maybe that just happens, you know, you know, every day at Harrison Township, Montgomery County, Ohio. I don't know. Uh, Maybe birthday parties happen with just four family members happen in Harrison Township, Ohio. I don't know. But I don't. And also it was broad daylight and this random Yahoo with what looks like a hammer from the security footage. They have an above ground pool and he just comes up and he just whacks a hole in the pool just in the middle of the day in their backyard. And then apparently he breaks into the house, but you don't see it. And the kids all scream 
And the kid chase one kid chases the guy away with a samurai sword that he just happened to have. Well, and see, that's so the thing, me, though. Yeah, it's four kids at home alone playing with a samurai sword. <laughs> I didn't think of that. I I think plenty of kids own swords. I at one point owned three swords. At plenty. one point, plenty, plenty of, of kids swords. have no swords? katanas though. They weren't, they weren't sure. I don't know if it's plenty of. You owned three swords? I had three. I had a Zelda, the sword from the Zelda games, and I had I had a little rapier, but that was for stage combat. So that was for theater stuff. That was only temporary. And then I had like a weird, I had an impulse buy at a comic expo and bought like an Arabian curved sword, which I recently just threw in the garbage when I found <laughs> in my closet the other day. Uh, while moving out of my old house. So there you go. Wow, I just would like uh, wow. to think if that kid had a katana, I had hope he would at least like, you know, do like a bonsai cry or like, you know, a battle cry as he ran at this guy. La, la, la. Yeah, for sure. Okay, can, can I just ask how old were you when you uh, got the um, the kind of curved... 15. Uh, Mr. Mr. 15. 15. Yeah. See, 15. like that is yeah. the coolest sword, I think, when you're a teenager. Everyone Definitely. wants a curved blade, and I'm not sure what movies were out around then, but like when I was 15, but I just remember being around that age being like, you know what is the coolest thing in the whole world is a sword that is not straight, but is actually curved. Where are your parents in this? 15-year-olds with swords. Come on. <laughs> They're not sharp. They're dull. It's also, legal. Um, yeah, some some parents trust their kids, you know. Like here, here here's the keys to the car. Here's um here's a, a twenty two caliber, and uh, you know here's a your six pack. Um, small, yeah, here's your katanas. Yeah, and here's uh the non alcoholic six pack. Don't touch the alcoholic yeah. one in the fridge. Just just have this one. We um, save that one till you're sixteen. <laughs> but my theory about this is, I think little Timmy is a bit of a wimp, and I think. This is all a Homer Simpson-esque setup by Daddy to try and boost little Timmy's confidence. So he gets mm. his, uh, maybe he like pays a crack addict or he gets like some uh, maid of his to dress up in a holy cardigan and come and like bust a hole in his pool, which now he has to pay for. And it's like, Timmy, grab the samurai sword like I always trained you to. And he gets it off off the wall. He, he he breaks the glass, which says, you know, smash in case of, you know, dad's friend breaking into the house. He takes a samurai sword <laughs> and he chases him down the street with it. And he was like, don't come back here, Uncle Bobby. You know, and I, I honestly Bobby. think the whole thing, the whole thing is a dirty, rotten setup to, to make All the right. kid feel good about himself on his birthday. And that that's the end of the, I'm not, we're not going to listen to the rest of the audio because that I say, I'm saying that's what happened. And that's that. That's it. Chris has decided. All right. The yeah. jury is uh, the jury is out. Judge Chris has decided. Uh, I still am not okay with teens home alone with samurai swords at a birthday party. My goodness. All right, Chris, we got time for one more story here. Take your pick. Okay. Let, let, let's uh, just uh, let's let's do the Burger King one. Um, uh, I know you you're you're itching about it. Uh, we all quit. You know, those signs, uh, we don't really have them in Japan or in New Zealand, my uh, original uh, home. Uh, but those signs that are under in North America, the, the Burger King and the McDonald's, which are like, you know, 4 billion, you know, you know, calories, you know, 
donated or whatever, you know, like 300,000 burgers sold today, whatever. Um, it's uh, Burger King and the, the little sign under it says, we all quit. Sorry for the inconvenience, which is how uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, um, a group of Burger King employees quit their jobs by announcing it on the sign uh, publicly. We all quit. Sorry for the inconvenience. Um, apparently, the air con stopped working. They must have hated their boss as well for that kind of solidarity in 2021. Um, but in the kitchen, it was like over 30 degrees Celsius most days. That's 90 Fahrenheit. Uh, the manager, Rachel Flores, said she ended up uh, going to the hospital, getting fluids of dehydration from working in the kitchen. When she gave her two weeks notice, uh, so did the eight of her staff, who must have really liked Rachel Flores, be like, you know what, we're all leaving too. Um, at the end of that period, they left a message to management on the sign outside the store saying, we all quit. That was for the management. Sorry for the inconvenience. That was for the customers. Um, Flora says, we wanted to have a big laugh. Uh, so the whole we all quit was mainly for them. Uh, we took turns putting letters on the side on the sign because it was very tiring putting the letters up there. Um, so, you know, there you go. It's one, it's one way to quit your job with absolutely everybody. And if I might say, I think it's kind of cool. But you know, I like it. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Can you imagine being the franchise owner coming into your office because there's nobody there? The doors are locked. The sign says, "We all quit. Sorry for the inconvenience," and they're just not open today. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I I think it's so cool. But but of course, the uh, the marketing monkeys got on their cogs straight away, and I think they changed the shift to um, now hiring semi flexible hours, which is. Not really funny, but like the statement that was released by Burger King was, was said that um, they're looking for a new franchisee and that what happened is not in line with their brand values of Burger King. Um, I'm not sure how many values Burger King holds selling, you know, 3,000 calorie, you know, meals to, you know, the, the mainstream of uh, North American society, but, you know... I, I like Burger King. Don't get me wrong. I'm not being snobby. I like Burger King. I, you know, like I, I like me, me a Whopper, but it, it is pretty sweet to see we all quit, like just branded on a sign for the whole world to see. I I'm on board. It. Such a good story. Well, we're going to talk about yeah. best ways to quit jobs tonight in the shift. So stick around for that one. Sir Christopher Gilbert is across the uh, Pacific in Tokyo, Japan, joining us live. Um, I got to tell you, Chris, uh, you froze on the Zoom call before you stood up with no pants on. So thank God for failing technology today. That's okay. We'll try again next week. Don't worry. I've got uh, plenty of pants not to wear around here. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) Happy nude day, brother. Yeah, you too. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.